Welcome, 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 everybody, to the Mid-Curve Podcast. We promise this podcast will be coming to you weekly now. Um, my name is Funky Donk. We are in the middle of a very interesting time in the crypto industry. It seems like a, a new sun has started to rise on the dark, dark world that was our life over the last year. Uh, again, my name is Funky Donk. I am a, uh, let me just say, I am an English major, first and foremost. I am a person that comes at the crypto NFT space from let's say the story side, I'm not a math guy. Um, I'm lucky to be joined by three other people here, though, who are very smart, very intelligent investors, traders, and degenerates that uh, we all like to look at different things. Um, why don't we go around and introduce ourselves very quickly as we normally do in this space? Uh, Grant, do you want to introduce yourself first? Uh, hey, guys. My name is Grant. Uh, I used to work in consulting in the real world and now uh, in the... Uh, Internet, internet age. I'm, I guess I'm a professional bridger now. <laughs> you got boosted, man. You really got boosted. All right, uh, Eric, introduce yourself. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Eric, uh, former chat by weirdo, now uh, current full-time crypto weirdo. Great. Uh, and Salty, what about yourself? Uh, my name is Salty. Uh, I'm a <laughs> academic researcher, numerical modeling of complex engineered biological systems, which is basically economics for bacteria. Uh, I've been in crypto for a while. I like DeFi. And I don't think Rand is a bridger. I think he uh, is just locking his money away in a multi-sig of a multi-sig. But we'll get into that, won't we? <laughs> we'll get into that. Salty, I would love you to have to step up to a like a very important conference in your biological world, uh, academic world, and say... Hello, my name is Salty, and I uh, trade crypto coins. <laughs> I think I'm sure that would go over great. Maybe, who knows? Maybe that's a huge part of the crypto industry, for all I know. A lot of respect for crypto and academia out there, for sure. They <laughs> love it. They think it's a really good thing. I'm sure they do. All right, let's get started. Um, I think we should probably jump off with, okay, it's Wednesday, November 22nd, right before American Thanksgiving. Um, we've had a little bit of choppy waters in the last week or so, but today specifically, things are somewhat looking up again. ETH is closing in on 2100. Bitcoin is around 3800, maybe a little less on each of those. Um, we've gotten some semi-positive rumor stuff going around the ETF, but I think the big news this week, obviously, was the Binance um, settlement. Uh, Eric... As somebody who, like, I feel like pays attention to a lot of the larger news, especially crossing over between crypto and finance, do you want to give us the very fast TLDR on the story before we get into talking about it? Yeah, so so the highlight of the story, for anyone who miss it, is that um, Binance reached a official judgment with official settlement with the DOJ, the CFTC, and the Office of the Treasury. Um, where they pay, you know, they agreed to a $4 billion uh, basic settlement um, and also um, uh, additional compliance monitoring as well as, you know, CZ personally uh, pleading, uh, basically pleading guilty to violating certain money transferring laws. Um, and, the, you know, within the meet, like basically kind of keeping things simple, they, they more or less, um, uh, uh, they more, it, they do more or less were caught, you know, I think that the, the the DOJ basically had a very strong case that they were they were violating money exchange rules, um, and also more importantly that they were very very likely um, not adhering to you know a, like know your customer or anti money laundering regulations, which uh, 
which entailed, which led to them basically laundering money for the Iranians, Hamas, um, and other, you know, legally, let's say, dubious organizations. Yeah, it, none of it was good. But I think the interesting thing that kind of came out of this was um, a lot of people were waiting. I'd say a lot of people, mostly in the mainstream space, for for this kind of like last shoe to drop in terms of the big players outside of of like kind of the norm of of what you might think of as crypto and Bitcoin in 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 sorry yeah, Bitcoin and Ethereum and crypto. And CZ was like the one guy that I think everybody thought they would go after, and you know, quote unquote, they got him, but. I think this kind of sets us up for what looks like a much more um, uh, regulated as a way to look at it, but also like much more grown up version of crypto, I guess, going forward. Um, Grant, did you have a thought on on what it felt like to kind of see CZ uh, plead guilty and essentially say he's going to step away for three years? Uh, enjoy your second life. I, mean, <laughs> I think if he avoids... He's not going to be hurting for money. Let's put it that way. Yeah, if he avoids significant time uh, being uh, locked up somewhere, then you know he gets he, he goes the Arthur Hayes route, uh, and probably on better terms because I think you know, Arthur's situation dragged out for quite a number of years. Do you think he stays an important figure in this space? Like, do you think he's going to be like a, a significant part of the crypto landscape going forward? Uh, I don't know. It's Impossible to say if he, you know, if he's going to use his voice or you know adopt a new identity uh, moving forward. But certainly, yeah, I think you know the, probably the more interesting thing is to to think about what what the effect of you know getting a Binance listing is now and where potential uh, sex flows uh, go to, especially. Uh, on the Asian front, or maybe there's there's no impact at all, but certainly at first glance, I think it is quite um, it is quite significant. He he was you know a central character uh, for many many cycles now. Can you explain to me before we move on what the term sex flow means? Because when you said that out loud, uh, my brain went oh, somewhere completely wrong. But please explain what sex flow uh, is for the normal exchange. people. Yeah, <laughs> it's just just. Oh, centralized, yes, I got it. Exchanges, yes. Yeah. CEX, CEX, centralized yeah. exchange. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, and, and, and so to, to add some, some further context, because you know I, I didn't mention this explicitly, but but CZ basically, as part of the agreement, agreed that he would step down from Binance, not be involved in any you know way, shape, or form with the Binance business for three years. Um, and, and right now they're actually going back and forth on basically you know where he is going to be staying pending sentencing. So I think the original plan was for him to actually return to the UAE to await sentencing and the um, sentencing, but it looks like actually the DOJ is now contesting that and they want him to remain stateside um, until he is sentenced. So this is this is going to be an interesting one. Like I Does that I, mean I, yeah, does that mean that they're going to are they going to try to put him in jail for a while or is it why uh, do you have any idea why? I am very skeptical that they are going to, you know, because this is this is also a negotiated settlement that the, like they would try to push for a hard time. Um, but with that being said, I think what is what could be happening here is you know that that settlement was was based on a pre-negotiated set of violations that that you know Binance or CC himself um, is is has a like 
has agreed to be culpable, right? That that's where they agreed on right. um, culpability. Um, the question is, as part of the you know the, being subject to the enhanced monitoring and opening their books to the DOJ, um, whether additional charges surface that are not maybe not covered by that agreement. Right. So so I I think that I think that you know at this point, he probably does you know what they did to Arthur, which is he sits they stay side for a short like sentence on paper until you know he can he can basically decamp for the UAE. Uh, but I guess the DOJ wants to leave, um, you know, leave the door open to charge them with additional things if if that does, you know, more nefarious dealings do actually surface. Yeah. Um, hey, Salty, so somebody who's been in this space for a while and I'm sure has seen multiple people come in, be central figures, and then kind of fade out or, or find a different role. Like, what? how do you kind of play CZ in the overarching world of, of crypto? Like, where where do you see him? Uh, he can be this cycle's Carpellis and uh, Arthur, except with less hurting of retail customers. <laughs> Is that a good I mean, thing or a bad thing? What's that? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. I mean, uh, it was Mount Gox first, and then uh, uh what, what was Arthur's one? Uh, Bitmex, right? Yep. Oh, it's Binance. I mean, Binance was the the golden boy, but you know, to me, it smacks of like it's kind of like Tether FUD. It's like one of these things that the, you know, crypto attracts the most low quality commentators, like the people outside the space who make <laughs> a living off of writing about the space is like, it's, it's so disappointing. Like we deserve to have better critics, I think. Um, but, you know, it's like the Tether FUD. It's like all of crypto is just a, a Ponzi for Tether and Tether's an evil shadow organization. And when Tether implodes, it's all going down. And okay, that never happened. Uh, and actually, Tether's like, you know, one of the biggest sterilizers of U.S. bond issuance. Maybe. I don't actually know the numbers on that. But uh, Tether, so this is like, uh, you know, it's like, oh, okay, really, it's just a Ponzi powered by Binance. Once Binance goes down, all this stuff is just traded on centralized exchanges. There's no way crypto can survive. Uh, and here we are. We're doing fine. You know, we cleared the yeah. air. It needed to happen. Uh, hopefully in two years, next cycle, three years, CZ <laughs> comes back as a threat or. <laughs> you know, we well, can, maybe we'll, we'll maybe it'll marker. be one of us who will be the new CZ, and we'll get to be taken down. How exciting will that be if a mid-curve member, um, Grant? I'm looking at you. You seem like the person most likely to to take over this role. So, if you're gonna do it, just give me an in. All right. This has this has certain race-related undertones, and I'm sure. Oh my but, god! Give I'm me sure a break! It. Come on! Cancel them, guys! Cancel. <laughs> yeah, cancel me. That's great. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's move on a little bit and talk about kind of the overall market. I think one thing that I'm kind of curious about, and again, as somebody who I always think of myself on kind of the edge of what we do here at Midcurve, I'm definitely not as tuned into everything, but it does start to feel like um, we are kind of edging into what might be a bull market. I know I've seen some people kind of put the date around kind of mid-2024, what, are, what is everybody thinking about that right now? I mean, there's a lot of people that have been saying that, you know, we might get one more dump, uh, you know, before end of year or even like, you know, early next year. Do do, do any, let's do this. What percentage uh, of, of agreement do you have to say to your parents that they would should invest 80% of their money into crypto right now? Because that percent, let's say, okay, the numbers are offered. Let me start over. What percentage in your brain from zero to 100, 100 being most sure to zero being least sure, 
are you that you would tell somebody about investing in crypto now, like today, that you would be able to get their value to go up? Uh, I don't know, twenty five percent in the next year. I'll start with Salty. Let me start with you. What do you think about that? Uh, dude, I think we've all been here long enough to know to never <laughs> speak to our friends and family about crypto ever again. I mean, there's no. This is a hypothetical, Salty. It's a hypothetical. hypothetical. <laughs> Okay, zero not, zero percent no zero one should percent. ever invest in crypto ever <laughs> okay well let me let me well, ask I you mean, straight up then what what uh, do you think do you think that we are definitely headed into a bull market do you feel that as somebody who's watched the cycles before i i don't know i mean cycles will cycle is is all i can say uh and and you know you get these like fractal cycles you know the echo bubbles whatever right, they are right. right and every cycle right. is the last one when it comes it's like you better make it this time because there won't be another one and then there's always another one but by always i mean like three so yeah yeah i mean we're pretty uh, early still yeah we're pretty early still. if bitcoin's at a quarter million dollars sometime in 24 25 it wouldn't like shock me at all right if, mm -hmm. if there's a flippening uh you know it wouldn't shock me if if the top 100 protocols are all above a hundred billion dollars it wouldn't shock me you know that that stuff seems inevitable the the path to how we get there and how long it takes i have no clue but it's felt inevitable to me since you know like 2012 and and it's just right. a slow process so uh i'm willing to have a high time frame on these things but yes all sorts of little indicators are becoming positive but that doesn't mean it's up only yeah right um, no that means i'm not saying it's up only i guess what i'm saying is on a year-long cycle Next year, this time, you believe that we will be in a in a in a much better place than now it, it, overall. Uh, yeah, I mean, barring anything utterly insane, you know, in the macro world, but uh, right, I, but we're already in that world, and I'm sure Eric can add much more flavor to this. That like the financial economy is doing a lot better than the actual real economy where people do things and earn money. So like, yeah. Yeah. How much worse can macro drag us down? Maybe a lot worse. I don't know. Yeah, Eric, actually, this is a good. Uh, first of all, give me the number because I definitely got to get this from everybody now that I've said it out there. What percentage do you give that, say, next year an investment of a normal person would go up a significant amount? I don't know. Zero. Like, <laughs> I, I think, I think, I think this game is not uh, working very well. Kids, yeah, all right, go ahead. I, I, I just like when you. You know, when when I kind of think about normal people, I just I just don't think like normal people are should be in this juncture should well yeah. definitely should be in this, but and also just like have very low interest level in in trading like over overpriced you know JPEGs of like yeah. cartoon monkeys and other barnyard animals. Well, let's right? I mean outside of JPEGs, what I'm saying is like okay, you know, ETH and BTC, right? They're they're both relatively steady assets. You know, a year from now, it's November to next November. Do you see them both being up twenty five percent from where they are right now, or do you just really you have no idea? I I think I think they're I think they're going to be up. Like, are they going to be up in the time frame that we think we're going to be up? You know, you're making a lot of assumptions, right? I, right. I would say just just kind of taking a step back and looking at the complexion of the market, right? You you kind of clear the last um potential overhang in Binance because we now know that it, it was not a FTX type of yeah. like house of cards situation, right? They were just they were just funneling money for the Iranian guard. Like but but you know the money is there. 
Right. Um, so, so that I think like clears up the narrative that's like, oh, we have another major, major systemic exchange blow up, you know, but the question is, is, is like, okay, we are probably going to get ETF approvals. It's just once you get the approvals, like, does the money actually come? Because right. the positioning of the flows and everything, I think within crypto and crypto, like, let's just say like semi-crypto adjacent institutions is that, well, with the ETF, you're going to get passive flows right from um from retail and, and traditional institutions and that's what that distributes this wealth across the crypto native space which then takes the money from btc and ETH, distributes it across altcoins and that's kind of when you get like the next bull cycle um that's all fine and good it's just a question of like over what time frame do do that does that happen right i think obviously right. it will and you're already seeing a lot of ct talk about like oh this is the you know, to like salty one, this is the last cycle. This is the last cycle before the suits get in, right? And this is like really, this is, this is, you know, in my mind, this is just like really kind of the setup is really similar to the, to the, when you look at to the old days of like ideal bonds, Michael Milken and like the first corporate raiders, right? Who were sort of the outsiders going into established corporate finance and shaking things up. I think very much, you know, you're probably at the precipice of something threshold of something similar. And, and it's not so much that the suits are coming. Um, it's just that eventually I think people that you see as like thought leaders will become the suits in this space. Right. Uh, and, and the complexion of what it means to be a suit just changes over time as, as crypto becomes a more, um, you know, important part of global financial infrastructure. So, so yeah, yeah the wild, the wild west quality of it goes away. But, but right. I, I also think like it, it, it does pass itself on, you know, onto like whatever that future establishment, I, like some of that, the current wild west identity will will survive and pass yeah. itself onto the the whatever the future establishment is. Part of me thinks too with that wild wild west side of it is with crypto because of what the access points are it will always have some angle of that, right? There will always be an edge. There will always be the edges of the business, which can feel a little bit less regulated. I think there will probably be much less chance to fully do crimes like there were before, but I do believe there will still be a weird kind of in and out quality that you can still find on the edges of it. I'm salty. We're going to say something. Sorry. Oh, just that. I, I mean, I am curious about that thesis in terms of, uh, Will the new suits really be the people that are here now, or are the old suits just going to become the new suits? Like people don't. The want boomers, to the boomers are going to take over crypto, basically. I mean, it's very hard to displace entrenched incumbents, right? And these yeah. are—it's a parallel financial economy with parallel financial structures. But uh, if people with incredible wealth and power want to move into it, they can, right? I mean, yeah. To me, somebody like Justin Sun is a is a a prototype of that, but like. I don't know why can't Larry Fink be in charge of his whole, own whole chain and like run the business, you know? <laughs> that would be pretty amazing. Uh, uh, Grant, before we move on, have any thoughts on on where things sit right now? Uh, nothing too sophisticated. It's just you know, whatever dips come, it's probably like your last chance to to get in before things heat up. And to yeah. answer the more important question, if I could go back in time and 
well, bottomize every single person I told that I was involved <laughs> in crypto, I would. <laughs> so I would, would I. So I think all uh, of us, we can all agree on that. That's 100% fact, chance. I would go back in time and go, go get that English or history degree and just live the life of a pauper. No, I don't think that's not know about crypto myself at all, too. Yeah. Just live this podcast. Yes, you know, exactly. There's the parable of the fish, right? The fish and the fisherman that the, the fisherman sits in a boat and the guy comes up to him and says, I could get you a much better boat. I could get you a much better system. And then the fisherman asks, what would I do with that? And the long story there is the fisherman just wants to fish. And that's what we all have to remember. Uh, okay. Let's move on to Blast. This is a big story that just came out this week. Obviously, um, Blur is something that everybody in the space and our space has been following very closely. Um, Grant is an advisor to Blur, so we do want to disclose that. Uh, but I think we should talk a little bit about what this is, what it means. It feels like one of the things I will say about Blur is they are very good at timing the market. They kind of are very clear and understand a sense of where things are going. Um, let's see. Grant, since you are in some ways directly connected to Blur, um, do you want to give the explain it like I'm five version of what Blast is? Uh, so it's not it's not a finished product, I would say. Uh, so you know, welcome our, to crypto, everybody. In our introduction. That's, that's not is, that's not a differentiating right. factor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I think like you know, for the time being, it's a one-way yield uh, generating uh, deposit or bank, essentially, that runs off of, for the time being, uh, Lido uh, and Maker Protocol, uh, both of which are, are well-known for you know, e-staking and uh, RWA yield, essentially. And, and the eventual goal uh, is to establish you know, a hyper-focused, uh, and I think I, you know, I, I use that term specifically when looking at the, the comp set of what's out there, a hyper-focused ETH L2 uh, that's going to attract uh, developers because of uh, the, the fee rebates coming from potential gas refunds uh, and, and the native yield that's sort of locked on the chain as, as part of its fundamental premise. Uh, and so it's it's it it definitely came as uh, a surprise to basically everyone uh, in the space who were waiting for uh, the end of Blur season two, uh, and a lot of people had uh, an emotional reaction to it. And I think uh, reactions are starting to settle back down into you know how how can we position ourselves uh, moving forward? Yeah, that's well, it. Yeah, well, let's let actually, and I'm going to take you off the hook a little bit because uh, I want to ask Eric this. Like, the, the the layman might look at this and say, "Okay, well, season two's ending. Um, there's all these people that are going to have this token out there because um, we're going to drop them rewards, and all these people that farmed it for all this time. What better way to not get them to sell, but that to get them to?" Uh, automatically stake into a reward system that is a essentially a very smart Ponzi that could be designed time-wise to coincide with the bull market. Eric, what do you say to that thought? The idea that that blast might have come about in part because it was a way to kind of like keep blur tokens out of circulation and out of uh, sellers' hands. Yeah, I I so. I don't think necessarily think that 
they did this just to just to float the price of blur tokens. I, I think it's just really this probably had been planned for some time. Yeah, I mean it's um, Pac-Man's background, right? In some yeah, ways, it's the DeFi product. Yeah, yeah, I I think Pac-Man and Paradigm wanted to do an L2, and this was a good way to attract TBL that they knew was there right. that could potentially transition towards TBL for Blast, right? Um, and I think you know also kind of I I think just speaks to like probably what are the limitations of of Blur as 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 a as you know a product as a platform you know both both as a function of i think like limitations specifically to the platform itself but also the, the nft space as market a right yeah the market um, size is that what you're talking about in general yeah the, just the market size the friction i think just the lack of like new things of interest right you know i, I actually the blur product itself i feel like for what they were trying to do, achieved its purpose, which is to to massively increase liquidity and reduce friction with NFTs. Um, but the problem is, ninety eight percent of NFTs are dog shit. So, so when you do that, you just accelerate the the kind of the the end destination, which is zero, right? Um, so you just you've just accelerated the end state to zero, and that you know that is like they can you can innovate as much as you can on product to make things more seamless and more low friction. But it just makes things go zero faster if, if <laughs> right. there are no good builders in the there. NFT yeah, space exactly. doing interesting things. Yeah. Right. Uh, um. And so, like this, I think this is a good natural evolution of 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 you know kind of taking the the team, the text, like the team, the talent, and transitioning it into something that I think it has more broader appeal and utility within the space. Right. And the and the idea of like a layer two where all native assets are inherently yield bearing because they've effectively abstracted away, you know, sort of the the let's say the Lido maker DSR like um manual layer of, of things, um, is 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 an interesting experiment. And I like we'll see we'll kind of see what happens, but you know, the value prop here is pretty simple. This is like the old days when you open a bank account and it's like, hey, like open a savings account, like get a free toaster, right? Right. Here it's like, give us some ETH. The ETH bears yield. You can't touch it for a little while, but in return, we're going to give you magic internet coins through L2. Um, so <laughs> it just, I think like, I think, I think it's, it's a, it's as it's as good as it could have done given the circumstances of where they right. were, uh, and now there is a new narrative, and you know, to that that kind of like keeps things interesting, right? And and obviously, people are buying in because everyone knows that like L 2s generally speaking, when the token drops, it trades at billions of dollars, and so if you're just staking ETH and staking Blur and you know getting these like points that contributed towards an airdrop of some size, um, then it's probably not a bad gamble, especially heading into next year. Yeah, that makes sense. Salty, as somebody who has spent a lot of time in DeFi, I mean, this is a relatively simple kind of play, but is there any thoughts you have on it that you, as you have, have you dug in on it? Dude, somebody else had tried to do native yield bearing assets for their L2, and I can't remember if it was Kanto or another chain. But I mean, or L2s is more good. Uh, I don't love like you know it's it's more Lidofication. 
Uh, you know, but somebody will set up a protocol eventually to like keep trying to vampire attack Lido, Lido. Um, so uh, it's interesting as a as a speculative play on price appreciation. I think you know L twos, new L twos do well. Yeah, I mean the interesting thing again, I keep coming back to is timing wise. Like it's it the thing about like the way these crypto cycles are working. Like if we do actually hit a, a significant bull market. This could be positioned really well to do ex insanely well in a time wise, and it could bring a lot of money to everybody. Uh, the idea of locking this money away, it, as somebody who hasn't spent a lot of time in DeFi, is that a, is that a normal thing that people often send ETH to something that just gets locked away until an unlock moment happens? Is that something that people have done before? Yeah, it's called the 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 pulse chain sacrifice. Yeah, okay, that's is that what how <laughs> well, pulse is that how pulse chain started? Yeah, did pulse chain start with one of these? Like everybody sent a bunch of money into pulse chain and then yeah, and yeah then literally hit, yeah. like burn burn a bunch of ETH and you got like the equivalent on you know this fake chain that he made. Uh, that's of, amazing. Of basically, Ethereum. Uh, the, the, now I, I'm being glib. It's it's not bad, but it this is all but like you know this is this is the same thing as investing in um. This is the same thing as like making an investment in a private market. You're locking up a certain amount of money right. Uh, right. for a certain period of time and and getting something in return, right? Now, like it is a little different because you're actually getting your nominal dollars back plus the yield. Because all they want, they don't actually want to take the money. They just want you to 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 keep it with their chain right. for a while. Um, and the other side of it, you like you don't actually know exactly how many tokens you're going to get, and you have no idea what the values of those tokens are going to be, right? Well, um, and there's also a lot of gamification they've built into this too, right? Yeah, Which yeah. Is so like trying to you're bring gambling. people in. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's exactly. just yeah. It's just uncertain rewards, which worked very, very well for them in uh, in in Blur with kind of the the points, the loyalty score, and the boxes. Um, yeah. So, so it, it, it honestly, like relative to some of the other nonsense like we see in this space, this is not. I think like putting emotions aside, this is not that unreasonable. It's certainly, fucking better than art gobblers or whatever the <laughs> fuck they were trying to do there. It is, uh, yeah. You know, this kind of thing is more common at the protocol level, I think, than the actual like chain level. But um, right, it's very interesting that the most like uh, fun and and uh, talked about uh, protocol things. This is a theme I see recurring now is imperfect information and like people actually want uh, inefficient markets because those are where opportunities can be had and inefficient markets create more winners and losers uh, depending on how much share the market is. But like you don't know how many points you're going to get like like this kind of thing I think actually uh, maybe a theme in, in things this cycle is um, things that and you mentioned gamification I think what makes games interesting is information asymmetry and coordination problems and so we're like reintroducing those into our perfect pristine perfect information distributed system because gosh darn it it's just fun and it's a way more interesting way to make money do you want to buy an unrevealed nft or a florazuki <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly right, right. exactly it's the same idea right it's like it's like the it's like the uh, the uh, behind the closed door is always much more interesting than seeing what when you open it yeah, yeah I think yeah. also it it uh, it's worth noting too how well optimism is doing and optimistic rollups because you know ZK Sync was like so sexy everything was going to be a new ZK chain everyone's building a ZK chain but dude these optimistic rollups actually are are being rolled out and are functional right optimism yeah. base now blast like 
like kudos to optimistic roll-up technology. It's it's really, um, I mean, it's proving itself out in the L2 horse. Yeah, yeah and then, it, oh, sorry, go ahead, Eric. I, I, I would just say, like, you know, I think the, the, the other aspect of this that does make sense, right? Because whenever you're trying to launch a new L2, um, generally it's a chicken and egg problem where, you know, you want to get people, but people won't sign on if there aren't builders building interesting things. Right. But builders don't want to dedicate time and resources to building interesting things if they don't see people sign up. Right. Here, you've, you've resolved that because you basically, you know, you massively gamified the, the process of securing TVL. And now you have upfront locked TVL that's going to be sticky for six months. Um, and you accrued a ton of it in a very short amount of time, which serves as a great demonstration that, hey, like maybe if you are a developer in this space, you want to be building on Blast. Right. Um, and so that actually solves the issue of like them like getting people that are actually going to build product. Because because right now, all the chain is is, is a bridge and then a five-person multi-sig and like what what and basically like ETH that gets deposited automatically gets restaked back into, back into Lido. Right. And there's so, something like $300 million that's been transferred, right? Isn't that what the yeah, total yeah. is somewhere? Almost, yeah, almost, yeah. right? So so it is like, so I, I think like that part of it is, is smart because because now like, you know, you've shown to the developer community that like, that, hey, like I this, you want to start dedicating resources to doing something here. Yeah, I'm actually really curious. And, and Grant, if you could speak to this or maybe, I don't know if you have any insight into it, but like, one of the things that I find interesting is it blurs doing this. And I'm wondering if there's a direct connection in some form to trying to make an L2 that would be like a place that NFT projects or things or even like NFT games would be something I would try to live on there. Is there any like, is there any kind of like thought behind what this L2 will be for? Have they said anything like that? Uh, nothing that is super detailed. Uh, right. I would say, you know, it's it's everything, right? Like go go look at our like can we recall like the last time they've done something unique or exciting that's not a DeFi thing built on top of another DeFi thing that can be forked in ten seconds. Right. Uh, and you look at other stuff across the board, like yes, like you could probably should give Mantle another year before they can before you can really judge them, but you know, haven't heard a, a single peep from those guys. Um, it's, I think it's, it's, it's about alignment of incentives. And, you know, if we just want to talk about NFTs, because they're, they're our first love for most of us, I guess, except for, except for Salty, um, the, the primitives have all been built on L1, right? And they're, they're good enough where they are. Um, they're probably a little bit too transaction heavy and gas intensive, much like actual in-game transactions to exist on L1. So yeah, like in, in theory, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in practice, but in theory, uh, they're optimal for uh, a gas-efficient solution like like an L2. Uh, and, and so it goes for probably everything else in crypto, right? Like, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, well, I, let's... Uh, also, oh, sorry, go ahead, Salty. Oh, well, just real quick, I would, I would also point out that um, whenever an L1 or L2 launches... Everyone's unhappy with how the token is distributed. Look at uh, Aptos or Celestia recently. You know, people are trying to run nodes or 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 get whitelist in the Discord. Like, no one's ever happy with how the token distribution goes. So now, if you at least purposefully make it opaque and interesting as a game, uh, 
you you know now you're unhappy because you lost a game, not because the devs gave all the tokens to their buddies or to this or that node runner, you know. Yeah, that makes. I mean, it's it's a fascinating world, right? Okay, before we go, we should just dip into the into the uh, somewhat sluggish world of NFTs. Um, it seems like there's nothing giant that's jumping out right now. Is there anything in the NFT world y'all are looking forward to? Doesn't seem like a lot of. I, I had I had thought a while back that there would be a bunch of interesting things, maybe that people would be building while the bear was happening, and then be able to kind of rush stuff to to market. And I think since the last time we talked. The biggest uh, uh, launch has been uh, Springfield uh, or Springfield Punks, those disgustingly crazy-looking punk derivative that ended up, I think, hitting like 0.4 on the night of the Simpsons NFT uh, piece. Uh, is there anything in the NFT market that y'all are looking forward to? I'll just kind of swing around the room here real quick. Eric, what about you? Is there anything that that's kind of I mean, got you interested? There, there are, but I'm not gonna really share it. <laughs> I put a large bag, but. Um... I mean, the, the NFTs are still kind of dead, and and I think the current meta game is like which one of these dog shit projects is going to drop a, drop a Ponzi token, right? OpenSea, yeah. OpenSea itself included, because I, I yeah. think they're now, you know, they are now uh, in such a bad place and basically out of other good options that actually yeah. like a token drop for OpenSea becomes an imminent possibility. Yeah, we talked about that briefly in the Discord, and I think that as somebody, again, myself, who was asking questions, I had always thought and had heard that OpenSea had had such a large valuation that it was pretty much impossible for it to do a token. But at this point, valuations have dropped so low, and I think, Eric, you were the one who might have said that, like, basically, if they drop the token, it could allow some of their early investors to at least recoup some of their money they got out of it. Is that right? Yeah, so it's, I think it's pretty simple, right? Like, you know, prior to this, when OpenSea was top dog, they had ambitions of going public as a public entity. And with right. your private market valuation of $13 billion, um, that was possible, right? And now private market valuations, I think I've seen as, I've heard as low as a billion, maybe lower in secondary. Oh, wow. wow. Um, and so everyone is underwater. You know, you, you no longer like going public is no longer an option. Um, so now you can probably take the regulatory risk of of of, of taking um, of issuing a governance token in the hopes of like breathing life back into the business, right? To to get yeah. something going. And yes, it also offers like liquidity for early investors. Although I don't I don't think honestly at this point of the game, like it's that relevant. It's like what are the things that you can do to um keep the business going and maintain momentum and take back share right the easiest thing would to happen to like uh double down on their creators um and, and try to build a better product but you know instead of doing that they kind of burned the bridge uh and did nothing on building really building better product so so now it's just do a token because yeah. you have you don't have anything else and they laid off a bunch of their staff. Their 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 website is becoming much more bare bones, which is interesting. Um, Grant, what about you? Any NFT projects you're kind of keeping your eye on or, or heard about? Uh, nothing crazy. I'd like to share now. I think you know because uh, it's still so far removed from real life. Uh, I think I've said this a couple times on the pod. Like everything in crypto requires, to some degree, a suspension of disbelief. Uh, which means a the time and b the a certain level of lucy or insanity to <laughs> read and understand the Ponzi's that like go on. 
Uh, and I've long believed that NFTs are at the very, very far end yeah. of said spectrum. Uh, and so, you know, you need the other elements to, to go first. You need DeFi to pop off first. You need basically everything else, all the other narratives to run out before people can start believing in their, in their, uh, their pictures, profile again. pictures and, yeah. and, and art pieces again. And uh, just uh, one final note, I guess. Uh, I think we heard for about nine months crying from everywhere in the NFC community, basically, that marketplace incentives were destroying floors. Uh, now, a lot of those incentives are gone. So if you're a whale, now's your chance, right? Let's yep. see it. Bring it on. Let's see if you're going to bring it out. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Salty, anything you're looking at in the NFT space at all? Uh, I bought a Kong recently. <laughs> oh yeah, let's no, talk about that. Uh, let's talk about that. What? what did you buy a Genesis? Kong? Did you, you bought buy, a Genesis is, Kong. You oh bought a Genesis God. Kong. Those so salty. Like why? Million dollars. Yeah. Why? Dude, why did know, you buy I that? I think I realized. I think part of it was nostalgia. I'll say one thing is I started last bull run by aping into a a, a monkey, a galactic ape. Gapes. Genesis, yeah. Gapes. Ended up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm starting this bull run the same way. But no, uh, for it was. I think it was nostalgia because I was like, man, these things used to be worth 300 ETH. I know they probably won't be worth that ever again. But uh, it's an exposure to you know they're moving to Ron and they're like very networked in with uh, people on Ronin Chain doing gaming stuff. So uh, it's a good community, and I, I I I like the exposure to the gaming narrative. I do think. Uh, oh, what was the other thing? Oh, hyperspace. I mean, there's hyperspace. So AVAX. Oh, the like, AVAX. We yeah. We we are seeing like uh, other chains uh, NFTs. I have no clue what's going on with Solana. I I never know, but man, I wish I had longed that a hundred x like a month ago. Um, I'm not sure if Solana NFTs are picking up, but but Avax, you know, hyperspace is at least trying to do. I guess like what Blur did, right? Uh, drop tokens for activity. Yeah, I guess it's interesting. Uh, I've not I've not dipped into. I, I bought a little bit of uh, Avalanche, but I have not like used done the Avax NFT thing because. The last pre, the last time I came to it slightly late, which I was already slightly late on that path, um, was Canto NFTs, and those things did not do very well. And I know it's a very different scenario because Canto is a much different token than Avax. But there was um, a time in the Discord where everyone was rocking a long neck. Yep, exactly, exactly. Neck. And now it's doggos, and and who knows what it'll be next week. Um, well, all right, everybody, that should that should cover us for now. We are going to do these weekly uh, going forward. Um, but yeah, come on back next week, uh, share with everybody, make sure you tell people about this. If you like listening to this, send us a, a, a message on, on Twitter or X, whatever you call it. We'd love to hear from y'all. If you, if you're listening, we're often surprised that like we do these and then like, we're like, Oh, that person listens. And it's always an interesting thing. So thanks everybody. Um, thanks to the, the guys who show up here to do it with me and we will see you all next week. Bye-bye everyone.